Morning. We are in a, starting a new series called Shocking Statements of Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, but when I read, uh, for instance, when I go into like uh, Matthew chapter 5, and, and um, he you know, the ster- often coined the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts saying stuff like, you know, you have, you have heard, or this has been said, but I say this. I mean, it's like he keeps taking things up to the next notch. And I think if we would be really honest with ourselves, some of these statements, you're, you, you know, you kind of sit back and you think, man, I wish you wouldn't have said that. You know, stuff like, um, you know, he talks about murder, but yet if you, and I'm paraphrasing, he talks about, about you know, it's not right, it's, it's against the law to murder, but yet if you look at someone angry, it's the same thing. I mean, that's really taking it up the next notch to the point to where you're saying, man, why did you have to, like, take it to that level, you know? It's, it's you know, sometimes it's uh, difficult enough dealing with our anger uh, and things like that at, a, at, at the lower level, but yet you're taking it up a notch. And so this whole series, we're going to be talking about certain things that Jesus said, and we're calling them the shocking statements of Jesus. And, and uh, because they are, they are somewhat shocking because some of them, you look at them and you're like, man, that just really, as difficult as it is to live it out, it, it almost doesn't make sense. And so as we look at these statements, I hope that you'll be challenged by the Spirit um, and, and uh, just uh, really engage with this series uh, as we go through it. In Matthew chapter 16, if you're following along, uh, he, makes these, he makes a statement found in verse 25 that we're going to look at today. And he says this, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his, his life for my sake will find it. Now let me read that again. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. You seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. That's what he's saying. You seek to go out on your own and, and, and you say, you know what, God, here are my plans I've got everything defined. Here's where I'm going. Here are my dreams. Here are my goals. This is my plan for my life. Jesus says this to you. You pursue that style of living, you're going to lose your life. I don't know about you, but for me that's not very comforting. Because that's a struggle, isn't it? Isn't that a struggle at times to hear, the, to, you know, to, to hear those words to say, you know what, this, my life really isn't mine, it's his. And he, but he says this, but whoever loses his life, meaning that whoever, whoever just um, you know, gives it to me, surrenders, my life, surrenders their life to me, then you will find it. Guys, let's face it, let's get real. We're all humans in here, and every single one of us struggle with this because every single one of us has plans and goals for our lives where we truly believe that if they're lived out, we're going to be happier, right? Absolutely. This is the place, by the way, where we can be honest, okay? God's not going to strike you dead. But let's get real. We struggle with a statement like this because Jesus comes along and says, you know what? As hard as you may, when you start living your life out that way, as hard as you may, go after your goals and your desires and your plans, guess what? Your life isn't going to be fulfilling. Your life isn't going to give you the meaning uh, on how you think it will by pursuing those. And he says, lose your life. How many of you ever heard of the guy by the name of Aaron uh, Ralston? Anybody ever heard of him? There was a guy, this guy uh, is an incredible athlete. Uh, I subscribe, or used to subscribe to a magazine called Outside, and it's just a really cool magazine, talks just various uh, stories in there about people, cli- you know, like climbing Everest and all this other stuff. Well, this particular individual was, was uh, just a, an incredible mountaineer type guy, still is, but he would go and, and climb mountains solo by himself, okay? So one time he, and, and just the things that he did was just incredible, you know, by himself. So one day he's out, um, a few years ago, he's out in Utah someplace and he's exploring around in the caverns and things like that. 
And as he's exploring around in the caverns and doing some scaling, you know, wall scaling and things like that, he, a boulder moves. This, 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 I don't know how many pounds it was, but this huge boulder moves. And as he's down in this crevice, this boulder comes down. I don't know which arm it was, but as this boulder comes down, it literally pinches his arm between the wall and the boulder. And he literally cannot move. He's stuck. Literally stuck. This happened like on a Friday or Saturday. He's in this position for days. On Tuesday, he runs out of water. And so he's in this position, and he's digging around. He digs, he does everything he can to try to get loose. There comes that reality, that thought in his mind that says this. If I'm going to get out of this, and I'm going to be able to live, no one's rescuing me, if I'm going to be able to live, I'm going to have to do the inevitable, and I'm going to literally have to cut my arm off. And that's what he does. And when you read this article, it's a really cool article because I want to tell you something, guys. We're not talking about having like a quick saw or something, uh, you know, a knife or something like that that's going to make a clean cut and you're in and out. And it talks about how long it took him to literally cut his own arm off. But he came to that realization that, said, that was this. If I'm going to live, I've got to lose my arm. Jesus says the same things in this verse. You truly want to live, you got to lose your life. you got to lose the things that you think is going to bring fulfillment. And for many of us, that's a struggle. It's, it's, it's very hard. And here's the issue. Here's the question we really got to ask ourselves is this. Is what he said really true? When we read that, is what does, you know, when he made this statement, is it really true? Is it true for us? Is it one of those timeless principles where Jesus said this back there to a certain audience, to a certain culture, to certain all these, uh, uh, all, and all these other dynamics? We have to wrestle with the question and say, is what he said really true? Because if it is really true, it's going to require some different things uh, upon our part. Now, I think by the way we pray, the content of our prayers can indicate whether or not we truly believe, or we, we believe that if his statement was true or not. And, and, and I want to read a, 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 a song to you, the lyrics of a song that is, that is a prayer, okay? It's a song, it's a prayer, and I think it's, and it really kind of, uh, I think it communicates or articulates how our prayers often are at times, okay? And this is a country song, that's why it's bad. Okay, so anyhow, um, when you when you hear these, just listen to the lyrics of this word, and this is this is often how our prayers. I think our prayers can can become. It says this, Lord, I need to talk to you. There's so much on my heart. So many burdens make it hard to know just where to start. Thank you for my family, your mercy, and your love. Now on to more important things. I'll give my magic lamp a rub. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord. I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Listen to this. I want a nice white smile on a perfect face and, a perfect, and perfect hair that will stay in place. I want a smaller nose and a single chin and a figure like a perfect 10. And a mom that never yells or screams and hips that fit in designer jeans. And a tip, you, you guys not find this humorous? I, I, I'm committed to this illustration, by the way. I will finish this. So I, I don't care if you think it's funny or not. And a tennis court and a heated pool because I could use... Now, this is cool. I, I like this one. I, he says, or the person, and a tennis court and a heated pool because I could use them, Lord, as a witnessing tool. Right? Now, that's how you pray. And a cool TV and a VCR and Jesus plates on a brand new car. 
Give me this, I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy, keep me healthy, fit in what I, or, uh, fill in what I missed on my never-ending shopping list. Now, we read that and we think, yeah, that's a, that's a song, that's lyrics to a song, and that's that, that absolutely absurd. And then I, but I wonder how many of our prayers kind of, kind of resemble that a little bit. God, if you would just hear my prayer on this. God, if you would just make this happen within my life, I know that my life will become much different. God, I know that my life will look different. It will become more fulfilling. If you could just answer this prayer, if you could just remove this, or if you could just add this, if you could just do this, if you could make this go away, or if you could plug this in. And so, essentially, the content of our prayers really articulate to us whether we believe what Jesus said back here true or not. Um, I, hate to use, I hate to use movies as illustrations, but one of the movies that, that, that came out a few years ago called Bruce Almighty, kind of, if you saw that movie, really kind of typifies all of this. He's, a, he, he, he's in, working as a newscaster and he wants to become an anchor. You know, anchor. Uh, nothing goes right within his life, if you've seen that movie. Nothing goes right in his life. He hates, he hates this, the, the one guy that makes the anchors, like the worst person that could ever do it, and, and, and he becomes uh, the anchor instead of him. So what does he do? Bruce gets mad at God, right? He gets mad at God and he starts giving God grief. He starts just really crying, you know, saying, you know what, God, this is unfair, all this other stuff. And then what does God do? God says, okay, Bruce, why don't you take my powers? Why don't you take my powers and you be me for a while? And so Bruce has his powers. And at first it's cool, right? You know, like he takes his soup and parts it like the Red Sea. You know, he kind of uses his powers and such. He makes, you know, he's in a relationship with Jennifer Aniston. And so, you know, one romantic evening, he makes the moon come closer so that they can, you know, become more intimate and become more romantic and things like that. So, he's, you know, and he uses his powers to get off traffic jams. And don't tell me if you had the powers that you wouldn't do the same thing. You would be doing these same things, wouldn't you? Let's be real, okay? Uh, and then he ultimately makes himself anchor. But here's the issue. What, we, what, would think, what, would, what would make some person think that, okay, now life's going to go great, it actually gets worse, right? It actually gets worse, because here's the issue. I think it seems as if we think that if we had the power to get up whatever we wanted, then life would really work out, right? The, the things that's happening within our lives, we look at sometimes and we say, you know what, if I had the power, if I, you know, our prayers, or whatever it may be, if I had the power to get whatever I wanted, uh, whatever, whether it be money, whether it be a job, whether, whatever it may be, uh, if we could just get the things that we, get those certain things in place within our lives, we truly believe, if we'd be honest with ourselves, we truly believe that our lives would begin to work out perf- the way they should work out. Things would be much better. And in one translator of the Bible, he says this, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you're never going to find yourself. But if you forget about finding yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. You see, that, that's the struggle. That's the rub for us. And it wasn't back to that whole movie, and I hate to use Hollywood theology here, but back to that movie, it wasn't until Bruce uh, went to God and said, I surrender to your will, that his life then became, made more sense. Frederick Buechner, there in your notes, there's a quote by Frederick Buechner, and he says this, The life you clutch, the life that you clutch, hoard, guard, and play it safe with, in the end, is in the end a life worth little to anybody, including yourself. Only a life given away for love's sake is a life worth living. Paul states it, states it this way, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, we can go through our lives playing it safe. 
You can go through your whole life playing it safe. You can go through your whole life saying, you know what, I'm going to guard what I've got. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to clutch it. I'm going to live out in this sense of, of control. But the only thing it does is hurt you and hurts people around you. It has absolutely no benefit. It does no benefit to anyone else. And here's the issue. Losing my life for his sake is about where my life is not about me getting for me, but about me giving for him, giving, giving up for him, giving things for him. Some years ago, someone did a survey of 50 people that were 95 years and older. They took 50 people that were 95 years and older, and they asked them this question. If you had to live your life over again, what would it look like? What would you do different? And you know what the research came back on that? For those, just those 50 individuals, they said this. We would risk more, and we would reflect more. We would risk more because, you know, so much of my life was about me trying to control it and me, you know, me just living in this state of, of, of control. Whereas if I, had to, if I had to go back and do it all over again, I would risk more. I would risk more of my life. And I would reflect more. I would do the things that would last long after we're gone. That's from a research, an actual research of, of individuals of 95 years and older. So with that being said, let's talk about that for a few moments. Those two things, uh, and this is how we lose our life. These are things that we, that, that, that we look at, we, we, we lose our life, risking more. A pastor tells a story about a guy in his church. This is a true story. A pastor tells a story about a guy in his church who came to him, and this guy said this, I am fed up with living. I'm tired of living, I want to die. Don't try to counsel me. I've already been to counselors. I've already been to psychiatrists. I've already been through all of that. I've been, I, I, I just, I don't want to live anymore. Nobody can change my mind. And the pastor said, well, in that case, I know a missionary um, uh, that, that needs some Bibles smuggled into Uganda. And this was during the time where, you know, you could lose your life if you smuggle Bibles into Uganda. And so the pastor says, I know a missionary that needs some Bible smuggling into it smuggled into, into uh, Uganda. So since you want to die anyways, you'd be a perfect man for the job. I love that counseling. <laughs> That's true. 100% in tech, uh, just upfront pastoral counseling. Oh, you want to die? Here's a, here's a way. Why don't you do something good here and smuggle Bibles in Uganda? Because then if you die, it won't really matter, right? So this is what the guy said. I'll do it. The guy, this is a true story. The guy said, I'll do it. So he does it and he, he does it and he doesn't get caught. And he keeps, he, he just keeps getting Bibles into the hands of the, he, he keeps getting Bibles into the hands of the oppressed Christians in the Uganda. And apparently this happened several times. And the pastor said to him, man, you really do want to die. And guess what the guy said? No, I don't want to die now because I've got a reason to live. The guy started risking his life for something good. Guys, I wonder how many of you are sitting in here this morning where God came to you years ago and placed a calling upon your life to risk something. And you said, no, I can't do that. I don't have all the details. I don't know what the picture looks like. I don't have all the resources that I think I need. That is too great for me to do. And so for years, you've been living in this sense of what if. What if I would have answered that call upon my life? What if I would have gone that direction? What would my life look like right now? What if I would have stepped out in faith when God impressed that upon my heart? What if I would have listened? What if I would have obeyed? What if I would have risked more? I want to tell you something, guys. I know what that feels like. I know how real that is. I'm a third-generation pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. My dad's a pastor. And when I felt and really, and I, don't, I just don't want to say feel as in feelings are, 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 are uh, uh, 
you know, are, are not something that can be trusted. But when I sensed that God was laying that upon my heart, I struggled with it like crazy. What if my dad would have been a policeman? Would I have been a policeman? I went through the whole struggles. And you know where I landed? And this is probably not good theology, but this is where I landed. I said, you know what? I would much rather go and pursue the ministry and burn out in flames than live my entire life thinking, what if God really did call me into the ministry? God may not be calling you into the pastoral ministry, but I wonder what God has laid upon your heart. I wonder what he's impressed upon your heart that says, I want you to risk your life for me. I, this, little, this little nest you've got going on, this little cocoon you've got going on, this little thing that you have going on where everything's in a nice little, neat little place and you've got a bow wrapped around it and where you're really in control, God says, I want you to lose that. You want to really experience life, risk this for me. I wonder how many of you in here, truth be known, God has impressed upon Now here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. God's a God of second chances. God doesn't give up. God's probably waiting on some of you even now to say, you know what? Here's my life. God, take my life. I'm willing to do it now. I wonder how many of you would be ready to risk. That's one of the ways that we lose our lives where we say, this isn't my life to live. This is God's. And guys, it's when we step out into the unknown. We've preached this. I don't know. We have preached this over and over and over again from up front here. It's not until you step out in faith is when you are going to truly experience life to the fullest. There is no other way around it. The next one is reflecting more. Ask yourself this question. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on getting? And what are you trying to make happen in your life that that if you think, if I truly get this, it's going to make me happy? I mean, think about it for a second. Spend time reflecting on that question. What is it? What is it that in your mind, if you would just stop and if you would just reflect, if you would just say, if you would just sit down and it's just you and the Holy Spirit, and you're saying, God, reveal to me through the power of your Holy Spirit, what is it in my life where I truly believe that if I would get this, I would be happy? Is it a better job? Is it, a, is, is it a better relationship? Is it to get married? Is it a different house, a different car? What is it? It may be something even, even more nobler than that. It may be something good, but it's something that, 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 that truth be known, you think that if I could just get this, my life's going to be, my life's going to be good. It's going to be different. It's going to be good. The psalmist in nine, that wrote Psalm ninety twelve says this, Teach us to realize. Teach us to understand. Teach us to see. Teach us to be able to really understand the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is, is a nugget of wisdom is this. If you want to save your life, if you, want, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for His sake, you're going to find it. That's wisdom. Let me share with you another... I want to share with you another um, excerpt from a book called Not a Fan. And in this book, he has different, um, he has different individuals that wrote in uh, it, it, to just share their spiritual journey. And I want to share this one to you because it just hit me like a ton of bricks, especially as it, as it relates to where we're going here today. This is a guy by the name of Dr. Rich Edwards. 
On February 10th, 2006, he says this, I was in control of my life and I liked the direction things were going. I had a thriving chiropractic practice, two sons and a devoted wife. On February 11th, everything changed. I was heading out to my hunting cabin where I planned to meet up with friends and hunt wild boar. As I drove along, I could see the effects from the severe drought we had been experiencing. Everything seemed to have dried up and died. By the time I reached the road heading to the cabin, it was dark. As I turned, I missed the road and ended up in five feet of thick brush. I tried to free my truck by putting it in forward and then reverse repeatedly. The friction from that somehow ignited the brush. Within seconds, the truck was a large torch. I reached for the door handle to escape, but the electrical system burned out and I was locked inside. Seconds later, the windows exploded. I don't really know what happened after that, and I have no idea how I got out of the truck. The next thing I remember is walking down the road to the gap to the cabin, telling myself over and over, don't stop, keep going. When I reached the cabin, my friends thought I was wearing some kind of three-dimensional leafy hunting outfit, but it wasn't camouflage. It was shredded, charred skin. A Metaflight helicopter took me to a burn unit where I was told I wouldn't have much of a face left, and I would probably lose my sight as well as the use, as well as the use of my hands. God put an absolute halt on my life. I was so busy being so successful. I was on such a fast track that God was, was a part of my life, but He was not the most important part. He was not on the throne of my heart or at the center of my universe. I was at the center. I don't believe God caused the fire, but I believe God allowed it because He wanted to get my attention. Like a parent who tries to get through to a child, God grabbed me by the shoulders, sat me down and said, I want you to listen to me. That was the beginning. Of, of the spiritual awakening in my life. Over the next four years, the doctors amputated seven fingers. I couldn't, see, I couldn't use what was left in my hands for even the simplest of tasks, but the doctors said there was nothing more they could do. That's when my wife, Cindy, asked about the possibility of a hand transplant. That began a time of waiting, testing, and prayer. We spent countless hours reading the Bible and praying together. Finally, the day for my double hand transplant arrived. Twenty surgeons and three anesthesiologists took 17 and a half hours to attach my new hands. Many people pointed out that it was a miracle that I didn't die in the fire that day. That's true. But in a very real way, I did die in that fire. The man I was died that day, and God gave me a new life where I'm not in control, but have turned the controls over to him. I'm not in charge of my life anymore, but I have submitted everything to Jesus. These days, my wife and I constantly pray to be used by God in any way He wants to bring Him glory. It may sound crazy, but I would rather have gone through all of this pain and suffering and all of these challenges and have the relationship with Jesus that I have now than then continue down the path I was, that, that I was on before the accident without that relationship. There's a guy that, got, that understood what it was all about. Unfortunately, he went through a, an incredible tragedy to, to experience that, but he understood it. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I really struggled this week with this message. Just I, I, I couldn't connect with it. I just couldn't grab a hold of it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, 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 it felt like I, I just couldn't get my arms around it. 
And this morning, I wasn't even prepared to do this, but in the first service, I, began, I, I shared something from my life, and I want to share it with you. And, 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 and it's kind of, it feels awkward to me because I wasn't, I was in control and I wasn't planning on sharing this with you. But over the past year or the past, especially the past few months, God has really been turning the heat up on me on, on, on this stuff right here. This exact stuff right here. This past Monday night, the elders and staff with their spouses met with an individual from another church that I've shared with you, but met with this, an individual from another church that was sharing his story about their church and how similar it was to Element, some of the heavy things, the heavy season that we're going through here at Element. And as we engaged in that meeting Monday night, the Spirit of God was absolutely incredible, heavy. The next day, we met as a staff with this particular guy, and we talked about more stuff, and just all this stuff just came out. It was, it was very spiritually cathartic. Later on, I was meeting with him one-on-one, and I spent time confessing him and to say to him, you know what? I've been living my life out of a lie, too. I'm not leading from my heart. I'm not leading element from my heart. You know why? Because I'm scared. I've been burnt in the past. People have said things. People have done things. And so I've been hurt. And and because of that, I want to build walls up. And I don't want to lead. I don't want to show people who Gail is. Because if I show people who Gail is, and I put my heart out there, there's a chance when I become vulnerable and transparent like that, there's a chance that I can be rejected. And I begin to realize that's not the life that God wants for me. That's not the leader that God wants for you guys. And with that, I apologize to you guys. I love you guys. I love every single one of you, even if you're a visitor in here. And I don't even know you yet. I love you guys. And I'm sorry for doing that. And it's so easy to do that. Every single one of us, it is so easy to do that. We don't want to put our true selves out there. So what we do is we create this false self of our, you know, we create this false person. Because we're afraid to be that vulnerable and transparent with one another. And so we experience life, but certainly not life to the fullest. And yet Jesus says, you want to experience life, you got to lose it. you got to strip it away. you got to cut some things out. you got to get real. you got to get vulnerable. you got to get transparent. So I just want to share that with you. And that's, that's more of a confession, more of a repentance. And I want to tell you something. I feel very awkward right now because, like I said before, I was not prepared to do this at all. Not that I don't want to. I just... I want to be in control like everybody else. But as I started just engaging more and more with this talk, I was just like, man, this is okay. But this is what it's about. And I just want to say this again. I love you guys. And I want to tell you something. And, I'm, and you're, you're going to get the real Gail from now on. You may not like the real Gail, by the way. <laughs> But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ 
is going to do a ministry here at Element Church. And he's doing it now. And if you don't want to believe that and you don't want to buy into that, that is your choice. But I want to tell you something. I'm going where God's going. I'm following Jesus. And if you want to come along for a ride of your life, let's go. Because I want to tell you something. We've been years around here not given the permission to feel and the permission to go. And I want to tell you something, guys. The time is now. It's time. Jesus is in charge of this church. I'm not. The elders isn't. The staff isn't. This is Jesus Christ's church. And he is going to build this church. And if enough people, and I get it, man. I get it. I believe the reason why I'm standing here telling you this right now is because it starts with me, the leader. And it has to start with me. I can't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And I'm telling you right now, as painful as it may be at times, it's just like that that illustration that we talked about a few weeks ago from C.S. Lewis with Eustace and Aslan. And where Eustace was the dragon, you remember that? And Aslan comes along and he starts taking his paws and he starts just peeling back the layers and just taking all the dragon ugliness, stripping it away from Eustace so that he can be the boy that God created him to be. Guys, that is what Jesus Christ is wanting to do through me and through you. To be the real person that he's created us to be. And I am so excited about where we're going next with our series called The Me I Want to Be, that book based on John Ortberg, because that's exactly what we do. We, we concoct these false realities of ourselves and we bow down to them. And guys, let me tell you something. That's idol worship. God wants us to be the people He's created us to be. If you want to experience life, and you want to experience life to the fullest, it's not going to come by some of these things that we think it should come from. It's going to come from us being humble and contrite before Jesus Christ. And that's where I'm going, and I pray that's where you guys want to go because that's the only choice I've got. We're going to close with a word, with, with uh, just reflecting on that song again uh, in Jesus' name. I ask that you would make it the prayer of your life. If, if, if there's some of you that want to come forward and pray, man, please, let's, let's do it. Let's have a revival around here. I'm tired of living in this false sense of stuff. Let's be the church that God has called us to be. Would you do that? Lord God, would you just shower blessings down upon us now? God, would you shower down strength and courage and tenacity? And God, that we may uh, be able to surrender our wills to you so that we can lose our lives to truly find it. God, may you break the bondage of Satan. May you break the the chains that have held so many of us in place. And God, may this be the day we begin to experience life to the fullest. May this be the day that we truly find our lives and, and have true meaning of living. God, I pray that you would just bless us, that you would anoint us, that you would use this church to heal the broken, for people to be whole again, for people to find they're, they're home again, God. Please use this church. God, we give it to you. It is your church. It's always been your church. And we pray this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.